Welcome to your Active Tech Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we take a closer look at the EU institutions' ban on TikTok and on its potential consequences on the international scene. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active Tech Brief podcast. Today I'm joined by Ketia Munoz, Research Fellow at the German Council on Foreign Relations, and Jade Nestor, Head of Data Public Policy for Europe at TikTok. Hello both. Hello. Hi. Right, so we are here to discuss about TikTok. Of course, it has been a hot topic uh, in the last week uh, since uh, when Euractiv broke the news about the European Commission uh, banning employees to use, uh, to have this app installed on their work phones and on personal phones using work apps. Um, so uh, Jade, um, I would like to, to start with you, of course, to uh, outline TikTok's reaction to this move since uh, then it has been followed by all the other uh, main uh, EU institutions, the parliament and the council. Uh, we know that uh, TikTok has been uh, in uh, in dialogue uh, with the Commission before. Uh, there has been a visit from the CEO uh, where he met several uh, EU commissioners in, in the past weeks. Uh, so uh, was this out of the blue or were there signs that uh, this move was coming or was there anything you could have done uh, to to prevent this uh, rather drastic measure? Uh, no, there was no sign. And over the last week, we've been surprised and disappointed that none of the EU institutions issuing these suspensions have contacted us directly or offered a proper explanation. Uh, as you mentioned, our CEO was in Brussels in January and no concerns were raised with him. Uh, no new concerns have been raised with us since then. Our CEO had wide-ranging discussions, and at that time, the message was that the EU is rules-based and expects compliance with regulations like the DSA and the GDPR. Um, and amongst other things, we also explained our work in the U.S. on Project Texas and our similar plans uh, for data sovereignty in Europe. And then we've subsequently offered to meet with EU institutions to try to set the record straight. Uh, we know that Europe prides itself on a commitment to due process and equal treatment and transparency. And that's all we're asking for as well. Um, and, it, you know, we don't have a, <clears throat> excuse me, justification um, or explanation of what these problems are, uh, you know, if, if they uh, exist despite asking about it. We've always been open and available to engage. So we'd like to know what we can do to lift the temporary suspension. Um, turning to uh, to you, Katia, um, the Europe, no other European government has so far followed uh, EU institutions in this ban against uh, targeting TikTok. How, first of all, how do you explain the fact that the Commission was the first uh, public body in Europe to do this? And can we expect more EU countries to follow, or maybe even the UK or other um, countries outside Europe? I think it's very important to start off 
with the context. What we are seeing right now is the latest example of growing strains between Beijing and the West. This is not so much TikTok. You have to see it at a wider scope. So now coming back to your question about the EU Commission, um, because as you were saying, other institutions also followed suit, the Parliament, the Council. But before that, we also already had prominent critical voices. So this is not something out of the blue. We have President Macron in December hitting out against the company, calling it the sept of the innocents and a cause for real addiction or a source for Russian, Russian disinformation. We do have the Dutch government saying it's reportedly advised public officials to steer clear of the app over fears that the Chinese government may leverage TikTok to access um, devices, the same arguments that the U.S. is bringing forward for their ban on uh, staffers. And although not part of the UK, uh, the EU, we have the UK as well saying something almost similar. What is we have the chair of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, MP Alicia Keynes, recently urging users to delete the app in an interview with Sky News. And I think the most literal one, the Republicans in the US calling TikTok a spy balloon in your phone. Very well image in this sense it comes up. So um, right now, what I've been seeing is that this debate is coming into Germany and it's starting I mean, I don't know where this will lead, but the previous status quo is that there was no evidence of a need to ban TikTok so far. And I'm sure that this will lead to like this whole discussion and the, why the EU Commission did this or that it happened in other institutions as well. It will definitely lead to a reevaluation of the TikTok threat assessment in general. Um, especially considering recent geopolitical developments and the knowledge that China has made it very clear that it has reasserted the control over Chinese tech giants in the recent past. So this is not something that TikTok, I think, can actively do something about. It's more the result of geopolitical strains raising or an like an escalation dynamic coming up. And we will touch upon the uh, international context later on. But for now, I wanted to go back to Jade um, to discuss these uh, security concerns that the Commission and the other EU institutions have been mentioning. we have seen uh, revelations from Forbes, for example, that uh, the app has been used to spy on journalists, um, after which TikTok uh, admitted that uh, users' data is transmitted to its headquarters in China. So how do you respond to, to these concerns that have been raised um, at the EU level, but also in other, uh, other governments? I will answer that, but I want to just pivot to something uh, that Katya said earlier um, in, you know, in terms of these statements from various other governments. The UK more recently said there was no evidence to ban TikTok in light of the commission steps. Um, so I think you know, the, there's a mixed reaction to this based on countries' risk assessments that they're undertaking and the dialogues that we've had with various countries. Um, and in terms of the question you just asked, I want to pull that apart because we're talking about two different things. Um, on the Forbes story, uh, we're talking about misconduct of specific individuals who no longer work at the company. And it was an egregious misuse of their authority. Um, and to back up a bit, you know, for people who maybe don't know, This is about a group of three people who were formerly at the company who were investigating a series of leaks by an employee. 
they thought that maybe they could confirm the identity of the leaker by cross-referencing uh, cross the location data uh, with the location of the journalist TikTok account. Um, now, at the outset, I'm going to say this behavior was unacceptable, and it's obviously not in line with our efforts to uh, earn the trust of users and to increase our security controls. But we also don't even collect precise location data. So uh, that wasn't possible in the first place. Uh, and no data left the company. Um, our access controls have been significantly improved since that incident. Uh, in terms of user data in China, TikTok is not headquartered in China. The app is not even available in China. We have offices, uh, leadership all around the world, including LA, uh, London, where I am, Brussels, Berlin, Paris, Dublin. And also we've been consistent in explaining that our global platform is supported by a global workforce. Um, you can see this in newsroom posts going back a few years where we've talked about this and specifically mentioned China. Uh, some restricted and controlled access to user data outside of Europe is still necessary for us to operate the platform and ensure that people's TikTok experience is consistent, uh, but also safe uh, and therefore enjoyable. And it's all done in compliance with European laws like the GDPR, and we have strict controls and safeguards in place pursuant to guidance. Um, I can assure you that we've never shared data with the Chinese government, nor would we if we were asked. Uh, and a couple of years ago, we outlined our approach to data governance in Europe, and we've been working very hard to implement those plans. And it's based on three major pieces, which is storing European user data in Europe. That's starting this year, and we'll be continuing that migration process into 2024. And we're also keeping data flows outside of Europe to a minimum, and again, still limiting the number of employees with access to user data globally. And very importantly, we're having active and advanced discussions with reputable partners to enhance our independent oversight of our operations in Europe, similarly to what we've done uh, in the U.S. with Project Texas and Oracle. Um, thanks, Jay. Uh, I would actually like to follow up on that. Um, so uh, I understand that the company is sort of decentralized and concerning, uh, you know, uh, government access uh, to data. This is, uh, I think, a broader discussion we can barely scratch on right now. Um, of course, uh, every company has to comply with court orders and the jurisdictions where they operate, and that is regardless uh, if they are a Chinese, European, or American company, um, or operating in that, that is operating in a foreign market, for example, or domestic market. Um, but I, I guess the real question here is, can EU personal data of TikTok users being accessed uh, from from the com the Chinese subsidiary of ByteDance or TikTok or the Chinese offices uh, of TikTok. I think that's what uh, people would like to understand in Europe. As we've mentioned in the privacy policy, there is limited remote access, which is being revised on a regular basis pursuant to those data sovereignty plans that I mentioned. Um, that access is subject to 
very strict access controls. Um, and of course, you know, taking a step back, if we're looking at this through a GDPR lens, uh, we're talking about safeguards being applied to that data pursuant to EDPB guidance um, and risk assessments, you know, the, the, what you have to do under European law to transfer data anywhere outside of Europe or to an adequate country. And we also transfer data to a number of uh, countries with adequacy decisions as well. Um, so that that is uh, the case. But just to back up, uh, you know, when you're talking about some of these laws uh, the, with the platform not being available in mainland China, uh, it, it's not the focus of uh, those laws. So, you know, as I've said, we've never been asked and we wouldn't provide it if we were asked uh, for that TikTok user data. Uh, and we do report on the requests that we get from other countries. Those are in our transparency reports, which can be reviewed. Um, but I, I think it's important to clarify that uh, you know, TikTok data applies to the rest of the world. Um, and we've been very thoughtful about the protections that we place on it and that we will continue to place on it. Um, and this is like any company that's transferring data globally. We have in our privacy policy that where we transfer data, other companies don't list those countries. If you look at some of their binding corporate rule documents, you might see places where they transfer data, but otherwise they don't really mention it. So we're trying to be transparent about it and continue to take steps to lean into data sovereignty. Thank you, Jade. Um, uh, let's move on uh, now, uh, going back to um, the international uh, context where the Commission's decision was taken. And uh, looking at you, Katya, now, first of all, you mentioned um, the, the fact that this was uh, sort of uh, known among uh, government circles that there was a sort of discouragement for public officials not to use TikTok in certain European uh, countries. Um, and you also mentioned this uh, spy balloon uh, role that we have seen with mounting pressure between the US and China. Um, the timing of the Commission's decision is also uh, quite strange in my view, or, well, strange. At least uh, it might mean something, because uh, last week we have seen an interview from Executive Vice President Pestager to a Swedish media saying uh, that uh, there was no ban on the table, uh, and the ban came after a few days from the uh, Munich Security Conference. So uh, my question to you is, to what extent uh, do you think this decision was driven by domestic or technical factors? And to what extent uh, has there been uh, pressure from uh, other countries like the US or the overall international context as driven? There's just a quick thing that I wanted to add to Jade. Because you were mentioning, I mean, I understand everything that you're saying and it sounds very good. But on the other side, I just want to put this, um, this fact up that in 2017, China enacted a national security law that requires all Chinese companies to share data that Beijing considers of importance in matters of national security. We, I mean, everybody else, don't know what ByteDance is exactly doing, or if they are sharing data, you're saying they're not, maybe they're not, like, it's fine, like, that's okay. But we do know that it is required by law to allow access if data is asked 
also if, if it is done. So, so, and we also know as a fact that China is reasserting their control over Chinese tech giants in general. We've seen people disappearing, very prominent people. So I just want to put this aside so that people see, can, you know, like have a, a like a more contract, like a better context of the situation. Now to come back to the, to the questions that I was just asked. Um, I think, I think it's very in- important also to to define the risk. What is, I mean, yes, data sharing, but what does it actually mean? What is the harm in in this data sharing and data collection or this, um, yeah, the assumption that data is collected by TikTok? Uh, the first risk is that the first fear, let's say, is that influence preferences of users might be used or the knowledge of preferences by users in something similar to what Cambridge Analytica did, but much more sophisticated. So we're talking influence campaigns, influence operations that might use um, the content generated engagement in a sense. The other one, second uh, risk would be a cybersecurity risk, like what you could actually go into the, use the device and, and just go hacking, extortion, espionage. This is old news. We already knew that. So I just wanted to define the problems in a sense. So what changed in actuality now that we already, nothing new has come to this to, to, uh, in addition to these problems? Why are we banning EU technocrats in the sense? And I can only speculate or um, share some thoughts because there is no evidence in a sense. Um, and I think it's important to just go back what happened this year. So we, first of all, we have the spy balloon in the U.S. in January. Then during the Munich Security Council, Secretary Blinken warned that China is considering providing lethal weapons to Moscow to use against Ukraine. And it was a public statement during an interview, and it wouldn't have been made without substantial evidence. Then on February 24th, we have Beijing abstaining from a United Nations resolution on Ukraine, which demanded that Russia immediately pull out its pull its military out, and it also released a 12-point peace plan, which kind of fell short of expectations. I don't think anything will come out of it. So I think that the TikTok use ban on the EU level reflects a growing mistrust towards China in light of all of these developments. And obviously, why the action is happening now is that the threat perception has changed. That is a fact. I don't know why, but it obviously has changed. Maybe there was some intelligence involved, sharing between allies. I don't know. This is only speculation. But definitely the threat perception has changed. Before uh, giving you, Jade, uh, Jay the, the floor to replicate to Katia, I, I, I wanted to build on what she just said because there seems to be a sort of uh, a tendency of uh, Chinese tech companies that uh, become global actors uh, to get caught up into these geopolitical tensions with the West. Um, uh, of course, uh, the, the primary example of that is Huawei, who, who used to be a leader uh, in, in the smartphone market until the Trump administration managed to cripple uh, its business with export controls targeting uh, chips components. Um, do you expect or do you fear, actually, uh, that TikTok might become the next Huawei? Well, I think just to respond uh, to some of Katja's points, you know, you, you talked about those the risks you specified, in particular influence and the cyber risks. 
Um, in terms of influence, we've added information about covert influence operations to our transparency reporting, and we've identified uh, a, a number of operations and removed them from the platform. Uh, we continue to improve with our ability to identify, uh, regardless of the origin uh, of those influence operations. Um, and there was a NATO STRATCOM report, I believe in 2021, where they noted that we had significantly improved in our ability to detect and remove uh, CIB. Uh, also, we recently launched a new research API in the U.S. Uh, and it will soon to be rolled out uh, globally as well, where researchers will be able to access data and uh, make determinations for themselves about the type of content that's available on the platform um, and how that's been distributed. And we'll continue to take steps uh, to prevent that. In the U.S., uh, Oracle, uh, and this is public, is going to be reviewing the code. I mean, we, you can look into that a, a bit more as well um, without me belaboring it now. But we, had, we recognize these concerns that people have, and we're trying to take steps to address all of them. Also, in terms of the hacking risk on the individual phones, Citizen Lab in Canada did a review of the phone and did not find any of the threats that you're talking about. Georgia Tech more recently also assessed uh, that threat and, and found that there was no threat. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue to try to respond to critics. Um, and I hope that, you know, these, this, these misconceptions uh, through our efforts to be transparent can be addressed. Um, you know, you asked me about uh, Huawei and, you know, are we similar to Huawei? Um, you know, this is a very different uh, company. It's a very different situation. TikTok is a global app. It's not available in China. We have this distributed leadership structure that I mentioned. Uh, we make decisions for our uh, users closer to the users. Those are local decisions that are made, um, you know, such as decisions about European data processing that we make in Europe. Uh, it's true that our parent company started in China, but that's where any similarity with Huawei ends. And again, 60% of ByteDance is owned by global institutional uh, investors. And you're talking about, you know, ones that we've all heard of. Um like KKR, Susquehanna, KOTU, um, you know, this is an entertainment company and we're trying to inspire creativity and bring joy. We're not a telecoms infrastructure company. It's very different. And we are fully committed to not only meeting but exceeding expectations when it comes to privacy and security of user data. What we're building in terms of transparency and independent oversight goes beyond what any peer company today is doing on security. So in that sense, you know, we hope we have a fair chance to explain ourselves and to address some of these misconceptions and also concerns so that we can move forward and continue serving the 125 million uh, users that we have in Europe. Um, going back to you, Katya, uh, China has publicly criticized the EU institutions, man. Can we expect some retaliation from the Chinese government? I would say that would be very rich. Jade already mentioned that TikTok is banned in China itself. So um, besides rhetorical responses, I don't think there will be much because the ban 
is only on use like on on technocrats and staffers so far on the EU and three institutions, no national ban as far as I know. And um, also, yeah, as I said, China has banned TikTok itself, and censorship is a regular tool that they employ to control the internet within their borders. So I don't think there will be more um, than saber rattling. China hasn't banned TikTok. TikTok was just never developed for China in the first place. Uh, so it's not an issue of whether it's been banned or not. It's just a completely different product for a different market. Uh, so to wrap up, uh, I'd like to give you one minute each to explain why you think TikTok is safe uh, for European users or not. Jade, would you like to start? Yes, uh, TikTok is safe for European users, and we're constantly strengthening our approach and committed to not only meeting expectations, but exceeding those expectations when it comes to privacy and security. Uh, and we hope to be able to share more about that in the context of data sovereignty in the coming months. Uh, we have exciting developments. Um, but also, you know, when we talk about a platform like ours, we also need to talk about safety more broadly. And we've made some recent announcements building on work that we've done over the past uh, months and years on the safety element. And uh, we, for example, just announced that we're building on our screen time management tools. Um, we had developed tools for people to set their screen time management uh, settings, but then we've also developed a new default where users who are 13 through 17 will only be able to uh, watch it for 60 minutes. Um, you know, there, there's, oh, that's the default setting for them. So that's something that's very important to us. They can have some agency over those choices, but we wanted to set that default for those younger users. Um, and then also we've added a dashboard to uh, family pairing where parents who have paired their accounts can see how much time uh, the younger users are spending online. And then we have a new setting, which will be uh, in family pairing, but also just for other people to use where you can set uh, your screen time management depending on which day it is. You know, So if you have uh, the weekend, you can set something different there than during the weekday. Um, and these are just uh, some of the changes that we've made recently, but, but we are going to continue to try to create a safe environment and one where data is protected. So back to you, Katya, one minute. Um, well, Jake took two, so you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this last question. I just want to highlight that I think TikTok is a very entertaining and very well-designed app. I mean, there's nothing to say against this. It's just fun to be there and you can spend hours on it. But also from a security perspective, I think there's definitely a, a potential for exploitation. I know that TikTok has done a lot of efforts in terms of setting up servers in the US, allowing access to algorithm, but it doesn't change the fact we're not talking so much about the risks here with the company, but the company is a tool in the geopolitical context with China. And that is the problem. That's why we have this EU ban on technocrats. It's not so much the fault of the company. I mean, in this sense, we're talking the company, a lot of other social media companies are doing, I think, less in terms of transparency. Um, every social media platform has their problems we have to deal with, we have to analyze, we have to understand, we have to negotiate so that the user is 
the king and not so much profitability in a sense. Um, yeah, so the problem remains that it's not so much ByteDance or TikTok in a sense that is a problem, the app in itself, but the geopolitical context that we find each other in. Um, and that's why there's definitely potential for exploitation because we know how China has operated before. It doesn't need to happen, but there's a potential. And I think that's very important to leave in the room as like a finishing sentence. So yes, there's a potential for influence operations and there's a potential for cybersecurity risks. And that's why these bans have been set up. Not so much because of what TikTok has done, but because of what it represents as a tool. Maybe, potentially, very important to also add, because I'm not saying this is a sure fact. It's a potential, and that's what we're doing right now. Jane Nestor is head of data public policy for Europe at TikTok. Katia Munoz is research fellow at the German Council on Foreign Relations. Thank you both. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Evie Chiori. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.